0: Well, hello, church. It is so good to be with you today as we worship together. I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us wherever you are today. We're kicking off a brand new series today, Home Improvement, and I can't wait. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We're actually in my home today. But before I jump into the new series, I've been getting a couple questions in my inbox lately that I thought I might try to answer uh, together. Several have asked me, when will we know what our plans for regathering are? I love that question. And the answer is that we don't know everything. We're watching the health status of our region and we're carefully listening to trained medical advisors, even while we stock up on hand sanitizer and disinfectant supplies and prepare our building for regathering our best estimate is that in the month of june we'll begin the careful and strategic process of regathering we're looking at a few special event options that may kick it off with a little bit of fun we'll probably try some test services to find our new rhythm it won't look just like it did before but we're eager to put these plans in place over the course of the month Additionally, during the month of June, small groups or Sunday school classes that want to begin to regather can be in touch with the church and we'll begin uh, to work on some strategies with you. We know we're taking it slow. We're doing that for two reasons. The first is that we want the worship experience at First Christian Church to be excellent and uplifting and focused on God. And we're not gonna rush back to the building until we're sure we can do just that. We're grateful for the continued effectiveness of our online worship services, our television worship services, and our online gathering tools. And so we're gonna keep investing in them while we prepare to regather. The second reason we're taking it slow is because we do not want our worship service to put vulnerable people at risk. A large group gathering where people sing for an hour is one of the easiest ways to spread this virus. So we're going to be careful to make sure that we have effective strategies to minimize the risk to the congregation. I hope that I'll be able to announce kind of what that looks like very soon. But for now, we're planning and watching and waiting and praying. Eager to meet in person, but very grateful that our ministry has not stopped. We are still serving our community like crazy. We're still worshiping together as God's people, and we're still connecting in community. In fact, I hope you heard that we're actually launching new groups right now. It's a virtual Connect Sunday the next two weeks, and I hope if you're not in a group that you'll jump in one. Just give it a try. When could it ever be easier? Just find an hour or an hour and a half to jump on your phone or your computer and join one of our Zoom studies. Make some friendships, build some relationships as we grow closer to Christ. Uh, you can do that through the connection card or by emailing Jacob Lou Allen. I've also gotten some questions uh, about giving. I've done some giving updates throughout this season and I've emailed, people have emailed me asking, uh, how's that going? and. That's a great question and I'm happy to share with you. As we said several weeks ago, our giving continues to be a little bit under what we would expect uh, for this time in a non-COVID world. We're not surprised by that. Our economy's been hurt by this. And for lots of people, the transition to online giving has been a challenge. Uh, Thankfully, our staff team has been able to restrict expenses and so the finances of the church are in good shape right now. But it is true that long-term, we will have some decisions to make uh, as we watch how giving levels fluctuate. So I will say, if you're able to invest in the work of the church right now through generosity, it's an important time to do so. If you've got questions about that and how we're using the money to advance God's mission and serve our community, I'd be happy to chat with you about that. You can just reach out to me at the church. All right, let's jump into this brand new series, Home Improvement did you know it's home improvement season right now while the rest of the economy is suffering lowe's and similar stores saw an 11 percent increase in sales in the first quarter of this year and if you've been to the parking lot you aren't surprised by that at all uh, my theory is that since we're all stuck in our houses we're noticing all the things that can be improved and a few of us are even getting busy getting the work done so i figure this If we're stuck in our houses, and if some of us are tackling those home improvement projects, we might as well learn from them. And that's what we're gonna do in this series. Here's the question we're asking. If your life were a home, what work would be on your to-do list? Would it be a little light touch up here and there? Maybe some landscaping out front? Would it be major renovations or a little remodeling? And we're kicking off today's this series today with one of the most popular home renovations in fact if you google around for the the renovation they'll give you the most bang for your buck with house resale it usually tells you this one right here it's the best way to get your money back it's one of the most common home renovations uh, we're not talking about bonus rooms H- have you heard of bonus rooms i would never really understood what people meant by bonus rooms until we moved into this house uh, it's a bonus room because when you walk through every other room, you say, Oh, that's the dining room, and that's the kitchen, and that's a bedroom. And then you come to this room and you're like, I don't know what that is. And so you, you make up a name for it. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about one of the most essential rooms in the house. We're talking about the kitchen. The kitchen is a busy room in most houses. It's where the work of the house gets done. Have you noticed that? I mean, not just the cooking and the cleaning and the eating, but in our house, it's where the homework gets done and the family conversations get done. Some rooms in a house might be bonus, but not the kitchen. The kitchen is essential. And if you moved into a house that didn't have one, the first thing you do is make sure you got one. And when the kitchen works, just Think how much happens from the kitchen. Dining rooms might be for indulgence and living rooms are for Netflix, I guess. But kitchens, kitchens are for getting stuff done. And very often the stuff that gets done in a kitchen is the work of serving others. Think of all the hours people spend in their kitchens cooking meals for others to enjoy or washing dishes that others have eaten on. We bake bread and casseroles to take to friends and family. We do the work of helping our kids with homework while we get supper on the table. And when a kitchen gets to the place where that work can no longer be done, that service can no longer be effective, well, something needs to happen. Uh, Betsy and I over the years have moved into a couple houses that needed major work. And she'll tell you, a lot of that work got put off for years. But twice we moved into houses where the kitchen didn't work. And you can be sure, I got to work on fixing the kitchen right away, because it was essential. And that's the reality we're talking about today. When the service of the kitchen isn't able to happen, it's time to remodel the kitchen. And the same is true about the church and your life. There are some things in life that are bonus, but your serving capacity isn't one of them. Your service to others is essential to who you are and to the person God is calling you to be. There are lots of important things in the Christian life, worship and study and prayer and fellowship, but none of these things can ever be allowed to crowd out the work of service. The kitchen is essential. Here's the way Jesus put it. Jesus called his followers together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that means that individually and as a church, we must stay serving. Jesus commands it, and if you want to stay serving through changing circumstances and the changes that just happen in our lives, then sometimes you need to remodel the
1: kitchen. One of my favorite texts about a time the church had to remodel its kitchen is a story we find at the beginning of Acts 6. The text describes a moment in the life of the early church when the early Christians were just figuring out what it meant to be the church in the world. The story starts off in an exciting place the church is growing and making new disciples but they run into a problem that requires a remodel the story goes like this in those days when the number of disciples was increasing the hellenistic jews among them complained against the hebraic jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to the ministry of the prayer and the Word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The church in this story realizes that there is a problem with their ability to serve and meet the needs of their community. Cultural barriers and language barriers are getting in the way of their ability to care for the widows around them and they find themselves needing to remodel the way that they're serving. And we find there are a few principles we can learn from them about what to do when we realize the way we are serving needs a remodel. The first principle that guides the church in Acts Remodel is that their remodel is grounded in mission. When the early church leaders learn that their church isn't serving the people they wanna serve, they react immediately. They don't hesitate. They instantly set to planning because they realize what we have been talking about this morning. Service is an essential and central part of what it means to be the church. Now, it's not the only essential part of what it means to be the church. Acts 6-2 tells us that the disciples recognized it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Certainly, they couldn't sacrifice preaching and teaching for service, but their immediate response tells us that the inverse is also true. Just as they couldn't sacrifice the ministry of the word for the tables, they also refused to sacrifice the essential and critical ministry of the tables. The second principle that guides their remodel is that their remodel is strategic. To launch a new ministry is a heavy lift, even for the early church, so they had to be strategic about it. They built a team specifically to ensure that this service got done. They picked people who had the right gifts, who were full of the spirit and of wisdom. They picked people who spoke the language. All the names on that list are Greek names. So they likely spoke the same language as the ignored widows. So they were suited to serve the people that they wanted to serve. Their remodel wasn't some vanity remodel. They weren't remodeling their kitchen just because they didn't like the color of the cabinets, because something extra wasn't working. No. They launched this remodel because the kitchen had stopped meeting the needs of the people it was supposed to feed. The kitchen had stopped being a kitchen. If the church has stopped meeting the needs of its community, the church has stopped being the church. When the needs change, the strategies of service and of ministry need to change too. The third principle that guides the remodel is that their remodel required the whole church. Obviously, if everyone kept doing what they were doing, the widows weren't going to get fed. So, obviously, people who didn't yet know that it was their job to feed widows had to step up and start feeding widows. But the text also tells us that the solution wasn't that the leadership of the church just took on another responsibility. If they had done that, something else that was an essential part of the church would not have gotten done. No. It says that the 12 gathered all the disciples together, the whole congregation, and asked who in their congregation could join in the work of the church and serve. And the text tells us, the proposal pleased the whole group. When it was time to remodel the church to meet a need in their community, the church knew they had to get new people, people who had no idea to this point that serving in this way was what they were called to do. And they knew they had to say with one voice, this is who we are we are a church that serves and the fourth principle that we can see in this remodel is that god blesses their remodel the text tells us the word of god spread the number of disciples in jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith When the church pours its energy and its time and its resources into serving and loving the people around it, God does amazing things. When the church commits to recognizing and honoring service as an essential part of who it is, people notice. God blesses the work, and we begin to see how God works in and through our service to make real life changes. The church in this story was committed to honoring the mission value of service. So they got to work and remodeled their kitchen.
0: And this is still true today. As a church, serving is essential and we keep remodeling the kitchen as needed. Now, first, let's be clear, this is a metaphor. Don't be too excited. There is no kitchen remodeling going on at FCC right now. I know some of you will be very disappointed but we are constantly adapting how we serve to meet the needs of our community. I think of all the things that have kept us busy the last two months that we'd never thought of three months ago. Masks were needed. So we have a team making thousands of them. Food was needed. So we've expanded our service at West Main. Uh, People were lonely and disconnected. So we launched teams making phone calls. Uh, Kathy Smith and I have been chatting lately. She's been in touch with our local partners and you'll soon be hearing about some new ministry opportunities that we never thought of before. Disinfection teams to go in and help clean out some kids camps so they can continue to meet with new cleanliness standards. The church is always remodeling the kitchen to serve the needs of our community. This is part of why I'm never nervous about asking our church to give generously to the work of God's people, because I know we are on the front line of caring for our community, as God's church always must be. But I wanna be clear, this need to remodel the kitchen, find new strategies and opportunities for service, this isn't just something for the church, generically. It's not just an organizational issue. This is also for you personally. You are called by Christ to figure out who around you needs service and how you can serve them. You're called to ask the question, is it time to remodel or update my kitchen so that I can serve better? Every once in a while, we need to look around. A messy kitchen might just be a sign that you're busy serving people. But a dusty kitchen, that probably means you aren't looking around you to see how God is calling you to serve. A dusty kitchen means there's nobody cooking there. It's just takeout, leftovers. And when our life of service gets dusty, it's time for us to reimagine. This is true for every one of us, everyone who follows Christ. Christ says, I came to serve and I'm sending you for the same purpose. It's Memorial Day weekend when we remember the many who have died while serving in our armed forces. Those are people who had to remodel the kitchen. Most of them throughout history didn't want to be soldiers. They didn't dream of going to war. But they did want to serve, and their service was needed. So when the time came, they trained and prepared. They remodeled the kitchen so that they could serve others. And that's what it means to to be committed to the life of service God's calling you to. To not be satisfied with the state of your kitchen today, the state of your serving capacity today, but to recognize what is the new work that God is calling me to and to get ready and go do it. So I'm curious, in your kitchen, your life of service, what needs to be done? My kitchen needs a new faucet. We got this pretty fancy faucet, but it's been broken the whole time we've lived here. I suppose eventually I'll get around to fixing it. But my life, my life of service, it also needs to be remodeled in some pretty significant ways. A lot of the ways I liked to serve others are gone right now. Buying people breakfast, sitting with people as they grieve, throwing big parties, they don't work right now. My kitchen isn't well prepared for this moment, so either I guess I give up on serving or take a little break or I remodel the kitchen to keep serving. And this is always happening. Even without COVID, this is a necessary part of the Christian life. As our situation changes, the service God is calling us to will also change. As we age, some of the ways we could serve no longer are ways we can serve, but new ways of serving open up that we never imagined for ourselves. As our gifts develop, ways we were being served eventually become ways we do serve and we pass on the service that was once given to us. All the time, the calling and the gifting of God's people is developing which means the service that they perform also needs to develop. I love watching how that is happening even right now. I know a guy who is busy sewing masks with his wife right now. I heard they sewed so many masks, their sewing machine broke. Now, I could be wrong, but I have a hunch that three months ago, sewing was not one of his favorite hobbies. But when the time came, He remodeled the kitchen. I know someone in their 20s who's making dozens of phone calls every day. Do you understand how much people in their 20s hate to use the phone and would rather send a text? Yet, because of the needs of the moment, they remodeled their kitchen and they're making phone calls. And this is what God's people do. We're always asking, Where do I need to find new strategies of service in this moment as with the opportunities God has given me? So let me ask you a couple questions. Who are you intentionally serving right now? Who are you caring for and loving in meaningful, tangible, strategic ways? I I love that text that Molly talked about where they got organized and they knew it was mission critical, and the whole church got involved. So that'd be my question for you. Are you involved? Are you engaged? Do you have a mission critical service that you're performing for others? If you don't know who you're serving, that might mean your kitchen's getting dusty. I would also ask, how are you serving right now? Are some of the ways of service that used to just be a natural part of your Christian life kind of, kind of, you know, thrown off kilter right now? Do you need a little remodeling, new training, new practices? Do you need to to learn how to use a phone or learn how to use a Zoom room so that you can continue to serve others? Or maybe just a new discipline to get out of bed and make sure you're going out to love your neighbor. This lesson is so important to Jesus that he repeated it many times, including just before he died. The Gospel of John records how Jesus' Last Supper began. John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. It says Jesus knew he was the most powerful one in the universe, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So as the most powerful being in the universe, what did Jesus do? He got up from his meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he wrapped around him. And then, after some conversation, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. "'Do you understand what I have done for you?' he asked them. "'You call me teacher and Lord.' You will be blessed if you do them. Do you hear that promise? That's just what we saw in the story that Molly Kate read from Acts 6. As the church began to serve, God blessed the church. And Jesus says the same is true in your life. And after this, of course, he took the bread and broke it. He says, this bread is my body given for you. And this cup is my blood poured out for you. And this is the meal we remember each week in communion. We're going to share in that meal together now. Uh, If you haven't already, maybe you can find something, maybe bread and juice or maybe something else to represent Christ's body and blood. And in this meal, we remember Christ's death, the death that has reconnected and reconciled us to God. We remember his broken body and his shed blood. And we also remember how Christ served us and then called us to serve others. As we share in communion today and as you pray and share in the meal, I want to invite you to spend some time in a simple prayer. Could you just pray this prayer to God? You could just say, Lord Jesus Christ, How are you sending me to serve? Maybe you want to pray it a couple times. Lord Jesus Christ, how are you sending me to serve? And I believe that God will answer that prayer by opening up doors of opportunity around you, maybe for you to serve in ways you've never imagined. It might be a a brand new path and opportunity of service. You might even have to remodel the kitchen so that you can continue to serve others as Jesus served you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus Christ, who in all things and all ways served us even to the point of death and now we have heard his instruction to us that as we have been served we might also serve others and so I just pray God I pray for some people who who have in the past had a posture of service but their service has been disrupted in this time that they'll do the work to remodel the kitchen so they can re-engage in service I pray for people who have been standing on the sidelines, God, maybe they've been hanging out in the dining room, letting someone else serve them, or hanging out in the living room, just kinda tuned into Netflix, checked out and not engaged. I pray, God, that they get into the kitchen, and they would, they would just say, here am I, I'm ready to love my neighbor, I'm ready to serve the hungry, I'm ready to care for the least of these, and that they would get engaged. God, I pray that we as a church would seize the moment and know how you want us to serve. We feel like we're in an act six moment, God, where we're looking around for who has been overlooked so that we might go strategically serve them, God. We want to do that, God. And I pray that all of us would recognize that this is is not the work for some in the church, but it's the work of the whole church to serve others as we have been served. We pray all this and we are inspired by the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.